Hey everyone, it's Pam. We're looking forward to a new season on the podcast, starting with our the new year, 2020. And in our upcoming podcast, you, we are going to chat with a, a young woman who is a millennial. Her name is Heather. And Heather has agreed to join me on a really difficult conversation. But before I tell you a little bit about that, I, I just want to lay a little bit of a foundation. You know, if if you grew up in the church like I did, and if you are com- committed in your faith, um, you kind of can feel the ground shifting beneath your feet, right? It's like, is Christianity changing? Are we accepting beliefs that we didn't accept before? And those are such normal and good and natural questions. And, you know, I think some of us even ask, what do we mean when we talk about the church? What is the church? That has come up so often on my show. And I love when my listeners send me questions and texts and call me on the phone and say, Pam, what do we even mean? What is the church? Can't I just sit in my in my dining room table when, when other believers are sitting around the table and we, we are together? Isn't that church? And so as my point is, is that things are changing rapidly and it can cause us to feel a little unsettled. Well, as I was pondering um, what to, how, where the Lord was leading for this podcast and with the book that I'm working on right now, he was so kind and gracious and gave me scriptures from Deuteronomy 30, starting at verse 11. It says, you know, Pam, what I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. It's, it's, it's not so far away that you have to ask, how far will I go to find it? In fact, he says, no, this message is very close at hand. It's on your lips. And it's in your heart so that you can obey it. And the particular passage goes on to say, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. And often he keeps saying in this, listen. And if you listen, and if you do what I ask you to do, I'm going to bless you in where I'm taking you. And I, and I apply this not just to me personally, because I'm not in, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, so to speak. But I do believe that the Lord Jesus is alive and well and at the head of the church. And he is taking his bride, his church, into the new era. And I, I keep hearing in my heart when I pray for the church, if you listen to me, if you, if you don't turn your heart away, church, I've got this great, incredible new place to go. And so as we enter into this new season of podcasting, I want to I ask you to do me a favor. I want you to get your pen and paper. I want you to invite a couple friends while you're listening because we are going to touch, we're going to listen to this very agonizing subject of sexuality and the church and our faith and what the scriptures say about it. Um, but what I take from this conversation, because one of, is, is really the relationship that, and the conversation that Heather and I keep having throughout, and we go back and forth, you know, we might not agree on things, but we listen to one another. And the question that I pose to her and that she kind of pushes back on me is, how does the church move forward? knowing that there's a lot of change happening. So I want to ask you to be prayerful as you listen and as you engage in this conversation as we head into this next season on Real Life with Pamela Lau. Well, welcome back to Real Life with Pamela Lau. And today I'm super excited to have my friend and 
former colleague. <laughs> That's what I'll call it. Heather. Um, Heather, why don't you just tell us a little bit first of what you're doing right now at this moment. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. Of course. This is so fancy. My first <laughs> official podcast. So uh, I have been graduated for, goodness, almost three years now, two and a half, I guess. And I currently work as a communications and events coordinator. Pretty much it's like working at a small nonprofit you also got married right after. Yeah. <laughs> well, right before I graduated. Oh, right before you. Was it before you graduated? I know I did. Isn't that crazy? I got married the summer before senior year. So we just celebrated our third anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, wow. Thank you Congrats. so yeah, much. Yeah. That's awesome. It's I re- crazy. I remember that year very well, actually. Yeah. It was a good time, though. So, um, Heather, you are, I know that you're living closer now to your work, but you actually grew up here in Oregon, right? I did. Yeah. I grew up in Junction City, which which is just outside of Eugene, a very small, tiny, rural town okay. <laughs> not a lot going on. Tell, tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, I do have to ask you, yeah. what are you on the Enneagram? Oh, I am a two. A two. And I think I'm a oh. wing three, oh, according yeah. uh, to the thing. I would have say. said you were a three. Really? Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. From working with you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I love that you're a two. She, yeah. she is us, right, in our healthy state. Oh, oh that so is what true. Are, yeah. Wait, so we're eight. Oh, you're eight? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we got, yeah. We know the Enneagram. I love Rob's it. wife is a professional Enneagram person. Oh, really? Oh, that's wonderful. At least wonderful. in my book, she is. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So <laughs> what I, I want to hear, like, how was your spirituality formed, you know, when you were growing up? Tell us about, like, your, your life. Yeah. So I grew up in a, like I said, a small town in a small family. Um, I just have my parents and my sister and I'm the youngest. Um, And I grew up in, I would say, a conservative Christian home. My mom actually grew up Lutheran, but my dad's family is Baptist and wanted their grandchildren to be raised Baptist. So I grew up in a Baptist church, but we weren't really like a a very committed family to church itself. But my mom is a person that has a great faith. So I grew up, I was homeschooled for a long time. So like my early years were formed with faith as like a big part of not even regular conversation, but like my schoolwork. So we didn't necessarily go to church like every Sunday. And my dad didn't necessarily join us for church when we did go. But I did grow up in a family that was full of faith. You know, we prayed together before we ate and we always made a practice of reading the Bible and learning about God but um, I think my the deepest parts of my spirituality sort of formed independently I would say what do you mean by that well my parents were sort of kind of like offhand parents I guess I would say like they um, in a good way yeah in a good way like they they always let us controlling you yeah not controlling at all like they always let us make our own decisions and like for example my mom encouraged us to go to like youth group when we were in middle school but the girls were like really mean to my sister and she wanted to stop going and my mom was okay with that but Mm. I really loved it and (laughs) made friends and wanted to keep going and so I sort of maybe I don't know in my early teens sort of drove my family back into wanting to go to church I was like, I don't have a car. I'm only 14, but I want to go to church more. Um, So my parents were always very supportive of whether we were really committed to spirituality or not. They were always really supportive. So I don't know. I kind of independently decided like I want to be more involved in church and I want to learn more about God. And so I did a lot of devotionals and I read a lot of books, but most of that was like my own doing, my own sort of desire to learn about God. So yeah, I definitely didn't grow up in a family where that was like the main thing, but it was supported and encouraged, if that makes sense. So what do you call yourself? You know, are you a now? Okay, now you're... How old are you? 24. 24. 
Yeah. Um, what do you call yourself a Christian? Do you call yourself a follower of Jesus? Do you, where do yeah. you identify? Yeah. <laughs> I think my preferred thing to say is that I'm a person of faith. Okay. Because I think to me, just like believing in God and having a relationship with God is more important to me than like my identity is like Christian in particular. Um, mm. I have struggled with the connotations that I can bring people. So typically, if someone were to ask me, I would say like, oh, I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. Well, we're going to come to some of those yeah. connotations that you <laughs> just good. referred to yeah. in a few minutes here. But uh, are you and your husband attending a church at all? Or Yeah, we do. We go to a, church, a small church in Wilsonville. Yeah, we're super involved. I love my church. I'm uh-huh. our hospitality coordinator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so I, you know, I run like our greeting team and I do hosting and praying in the morning. But it's a small non-denominational church. Okay. And it's fun because it's totally different from the churches I was kind of grown up going to. I went to these big, huge Baptist churches where you were sort of just like a little face. <laughs> You know, nameless face <laughs> okay. in a sea of people. Um, but here I go to a church now that's small. I'm, you know, literally everybody. And um, and since we're non-denominational, you know, we can have difficult conversations or wow. deep conversations. And we have every imaginable person, really conservative Christians mm-hmm. and very liberal <laughs> people wow. of all just all ages and beliefs and so that's great yeah that's great well hopefully that will help inform some of the questions that we wanted to ask you today so um thank you for being willing to let me ask you some very difficult questions because as you you know me and i think deeply about these things and i don't know how well you know rob at all but (laughs) you don't know me no i don't (laughs) i don't i'm the the wild card but he's he's a wild card but he does think deeply about these things too probably a little more linearly than I do. However, that's um, okay. You know, so Pam, I, I think we have to ask a question oh, before okay. we go too far because okay. I imagine um, people are are listening, and and the question that would probably pop up is: so with your church, you said um, you have conservative Christians and then liberal Christians. Okay, so um, people are trying to conjure up in their own mind what what does that actually look like. So. Uh, is there anything about your church that, like, what binds the church together? Yeah. Um, so kind of our slogan, I guess you could say, is that um, nobody's perfect, everyone's welcome. Um, and that I think that sort of binds our church together. Okay. Um, we definitely have, like, core beliefs in, you know, who Jesus is. And, oh, okay. Um, you know, there's like really, really central beliefs to our oh, church. I see. So, it, so you do have a shared like doctrinal yeah, belief. Yeah, yeah. There's okay. sort of like just a few couple of like core, uh, core beliefs okay. I think that inform our church. But, but for the most part, and I, I will say like, um, but you know, we preach from the Bible and we. We believe in Jesus and, okay. and no, that's really helpful. But what's interesting that's really helpful. is that you say people who you would say are conservative there and yeah. liberal. Yeah. There. So liberal meaning uh, politically or yeah, I would okay. say both. Okay. Okay. <laughs> politically and um, theologically, we def we definitely have people who support a variety of uh, political beliefs openly and and politics would never really be preached from the pulpit. You know what I mean? But that's encouraging to hear that you've got this already, you know, this kind of organic life happening in your Yeah, yeah. It's like an environment where, you know, we can all walk in and Hmm. say, you know, well, I know you and that you believe maybe these things or I I know this person and they vote that way, but we all come together and worship the same God and, you know, we can sing the same music and read mm. from the same Bible and agree. So I, I think that 
Okay. Sort of. Okay. Well, that's yeah, actually that's, that's pretty. I think that's unusual. Um, so, I one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is, as you know, um, the church is in a crisis right now. You know, I would even argue that she's at a crossroads. Um, on the issue of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to invite you, because you and I can talk very easily and openly. Um, and I really thought that my listeners uh, would like to hear how we would talk to one another about these issues in a day where people are feeling pretty confused um, about how to talk to other people about it. So I see us as helping each other, because yeah. you've always been sort of a the kind of person who'll say, Heather, how do I do this? <laughs> And you'll be like, well, Pam, this is what you need to do. <laughs> so I love exactly. that. But um, it's not an easy discussion. Yeah. You know, definitely not. And I I do want to say, you know, I'm here as as me and my own personal beliefs. So I don't sure. I don't speak yeah. on behalf of my church or my yeah. work yeah, or, no, or no. my family for that matter. But um, that, but I'm happy to share my yeah. personal. Well, and that and, what and that's exactly what we're we want to know kind of the process. Yeah. Of of that those beliefs. So that would yeah. be super helpful sure. for us. Um so I guess the first, oh, how do you even jump into this? But first I would say, you know, when we, when we talk about these issues of people who have different views of sexuality, and particularly we have the name LGBTQ, okay? Plus. Plus. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Rob had a good question with that first is what does that, you know, what falls under that umbrella? Um, I know this is like a very basic question. But some people don't know what falls under that umbrella. Yeah. Well, um, you know, technically, I think the LGBTQ community includes you know, people who identify as gay or bi or lesbian or transgender or queer, um, which can be interpreted a couple of different ways. Um, it includes ase- asexuals and um, people who don't identify either on the normal gender spectrum of male to female or the traditional heterosexual uh, spectrum as far as who they're attracted to. Okay. I would say. So, so really, I'm just going to jump into the heart of the questions that have come from my listeners and for my, for my peers in yeah. many ways. A few months ago, I went to the Evolving Faith Conference as a listener, and I wanted to hear sort of, you know, so why are we having, what is the difficulty in us worshiping together? The question I have for you is, when you think of how this issue came into light, I mean, it really is only in the last maybe five or 10 years that it's become more into the light. What is the basic disagreement when you, like, why is there tension around this? I think that question is difficult because uh, to me, it like shouldn't be a question. You know, I think because I think a lot of times the tension between maybe the church and the LGBTQ plus community is that that community is saying, you know, we don't feel like we're people in in others' eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was really made apparent when they said, hey, you know, if, if we're gay, we want to have the right to marry <laughs> the people that we love. And, mm-hmm. and there was pushback saying, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. And I think the tension is, um, on one hand, you have people saying, but we're people and we want to be recognized as people who have choices and freedom and and value as human beings and children of God. And then on the other hand, um, you have maybe people who struggle because they see those those people as making maybe immoral choices or being misled or confused or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's to me, it seems like the tension is just like 
about judgment, okay. judgment and feelings of just wanting to be human. So let me, I'm, and I'm asking questions out of, for everyone to, so we can all understand. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that in that, what you just described, would there be people who would say, okay, it's okay to have sexual relationship with, with anyone? Do you see what I'm saying? So in other words, is there a boundary in this? In this, in under that umbrella of LGBTQ, is there are there any boundaries of that? I think that's kind of where, um, like some people are. Well, what am I affirming? What am I agreeing to? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak to the boundaries that the LGBT community okay. would put on themselves, since okay. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily um, identify as, as part of that community. That's right. Um, right. So I, it's hard for me to, you know, it's hard for me to say as a person on the outside, but, hmm. um, but I would consider myself, you know, someone. Um, who is, uh, you know, friends with and a, mm-hmm. an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Can I ask you a question yeah. about that? Um, so ally, because some people listening might not know what that is, but from your perspective, is an ally somebody who agrees with the LGBTQ uh, sort of party line, if you will? I would say um, my experience of being an ally is to say I love everybody and I support everybody no matter their choices whether that pertains to the LGBTQ community whether that pertains to voting on whatever issues whether that pertains to you know I think it's like it's saying being an ally is saying I'm with you and I'm a person Mm. with you and I'm not gonna judge how you live your life Mm. that that's like how I experience um, being an ally well I think that sounds like that you're saying that's not making a judgment on them at all. You're just saying any human being you're an ally to. Right. That, But you're not actually trying to say, um, by being an ally, I approve of everything and everything that you, that's not what you're saying. Well, I mean, I think you can sort of, I mean, I, do, I personally, I personally don't have personal problems <laughs> with however people express their sexuality, but I don't think that means every ally has to, you know, agree with, everybody's choices like i would consider my mom my ally but mm-hmm. i don't think my mom like loves it when i mean to my sister you know what i mean it's like you could pick apart a choice that somebody makes in like a part of their life and then decide not to be an ally because of that one choice or you could just mm. say i'm this person's ally no matter what because i love them any choice they make is totally irrelevant mm. to that mm-hmm. okay so that that's actually uh, really important cuz that's kind of the question i i have that i think some of the listeners have is um can you be an ally and disagree yeah absolutely okay that's yeah. interesting i think so i mean i mean i'm i'm not condoning disagreeing in any way um but i think just because you don't agree it doesn't mean you should not be an ally if right. that makes sense yeah, like yeah, yeah. um yeah, I don't think I think that, I mean, there's a lot of choices lots of people make that I I wouldn't agree with. Right, about whatever I, it is, right, whether it's you know the shoes you're wearing or whatever. Yeah, you know, totally. but do you have any examples or scenarios where you have uh, lived out this role as an ally where you thought this is what Jesus would have me do? Good question. Yeah, you can think yeah. about it, but I, I I ask that out of mm-hmm. all of us need sort of role models of what an ally might look like because you're saying you can be an ally and agree to disagree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one example, a good example of being an ally would maybe be like in this specific context. Well, or any yeah, context. it doesn't have to be a specific context, <laughs> but just of where you've had to 
um, where you've noticed that you did something or said something or and that person knew that you weren't against them? Well, I think so. One example I'll say is um, like my best friend, uh, she chose to move in with her boyfriend, for example, before they were dating. I didn't personally move in with my boyfriend before we got married. um, But my best friend decided to do that. And like there was no part of me that thought, you know, I should judge her for making a different choice than me. It was just like, oh, all right. That's, you know, so, it's like. So let me ask yeah, you a question because yeah. you keep bringing up this judging. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Was, <laughs> it, was it wrong? I don't think so. Okay. And what makes it right? Well, does something have to be right to be not wrong? Well, I guess the question is, is that you felt like you said you didn't want to judge her. So it sounds like there was an assumption there that something was done that might require judging. So I guess, I guess the question, uh, as this relates to LGBTQIA+, mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, uh, what determines whether something is right or wrong? And like you were, you were saying when you talked about being an ally, you can be an ally and still disagree and say, well, I don't agree with this, but I can still support you. And I think of like Jesus and the adulterous woman. He supports her, but he disagrees and says, you were wrong for being an adulterous person. And I'm, and then he tells her, go and sin no more, right? He's still an ally because he's like, look, I want to bring life to you. But part of bringing life, it sounds like in that context is, hey, as your ally, I want to tell you when something, like if you're going to drink poison, the first thing I'm going to do is say, hey, you can drink it. We, those of us who have kids, we do this all the time, right? You can do this and I will support you, but I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to work out for you. But sometimes you have to learn on your own. But I guess the question for you and and in this issue is, what determines whether any of these sexual ethics are right or wrong? I think that question is what's so frustrating because Mm. how can any of us determine what's right or wrong? I think there's the tension comes when Mm. we try to play God. Like I... I have no way of knowing whether, you know, you disagreeing with someone being gay or someone having an abortion or someone. I have living no with living with someone before marriage. Your, someone, right, yeah, right. I have no way of knowing right. whether that's right or wrong. I mean, you can interpret what you think God has said mm-hmm. about an issue through scripture, but you could read the same scripture that I could be reading and we could be interpreting it differently. So what makes one person right and the other person wrong? So I think that question is the thing that that maybe why I keep bringing up judgment because it seems like a lot of times the church is so quick to judge because they've already assumed that their belief is the right belief. So if you act under the assumption that, you know, I believe that a man and a woman should be together and that's it. Uh, If you, you're, you're acting under the assumption that you're right, not, and not under the assumption that you're just choosing that belief based on your own interpretation of scripture Mm -hmm. or morality so that's really this is where i would love to and this is where heather you're very articulate and i and i appreciate that about you but you told us that you were raised in a like a church a youth group you 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 heard scripture Mm -hmm. you probably i assume at some point in your life you were studying the bible absolutely yeah so take me through the process of when you stopped seeing the scriptures on the maybe you haven't but it sounds like where you say there's, they're not necessarily an authority. I think that the ultimate authority that I get from scripture is um, when we're called to love God and love our neighbor. I think like you could boil everything down in the entire Bible to 
to God, declaring that to his people. At the end of the day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love me and I want you to love your neighbor. And it's not that I don't think the Bible has, you know, authority in other areas of our life, but I think we're so quick to pick parts of scripture that align with our beliefs and then say Mm. that that's God. Um, When I think the bigger issue is, you know, what is all of scripture really pointing to? And I think that's love God and love your neighbor. And I think those two things don't allow room for judgment or. But when did you, when did that, were you always under that way of relating to and viewing scripture? Um, No, I think. It's sort of been a journey for me to come. That's what to I'd that like to side. hear, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to hear the process because that's what I think you're not alone in. There. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when I say it's a journey, I think I'm still on that journey. Okay, absolutely. Because um, you know, of course, I'm I'm speaking about judgment because there was a point in my life where I was extremely judgmental, and I think I fight that a lot because you know mm-hmm. I was raised in an environment and a church that said it's wrong to be gay and it's wrong to believe in abortion and it's wrong to you know etc etc whatever it I mean there was like a whole list of things Mm. I was raised believing were wrong you know as I grew older I kind of wondered like well where is God telling me that personally where is God telling me that okay yeah I think I I was raised in an environment where I heard those things you know, and I heard like, if you want to be a good Christian, you got to vote this way and you can't drink. You know, I said I was raised in Baptist church, right? You can't gamble and you, <laughs> you can't, can't drink, drink you can't and you can't dance. I mean, right. seriously, it was like all these things. And then at one point I thought, why? I mean, where, where did I get the impression that God cared about all that stuff? <laughs> I think I sort of came to this point where I thought, okay, there's this whole laundry list of things that the church is saying, you know, we've read the Bible and we've studied it for thousands of years. And at the end of the day, we think, you know, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. There's a whole list of things. Um, And I think I sort of got to a point in my own faith where I said, okay, God, that's what the church that I grew up in says is important. Like, what do you say is important? And it took like, I think years of me slowly just hearing God's voice saying that same thing what I think is important is that you love me and that you love people like love me and love people and I've sort of just like had that voice of God in my head over and over again for the last couple of years and so now I'm sort of at that point where I can sit back and say if I'm hearing God say that's what's important why should I spend so much energy deciding you know, what's right or wrong on all these other little second, like what I would consider secondary issues, you know, it's not that you can't have an opinion. Like I, I do have opinions on, Mm -hmm. on lots of things, but, but at the end of the day, are those secondary opinions what God cares about? I just don't think so. And I think, you know, I kind of just go back to those scriptures in the New Testament that say, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Like that's my favorite verse, because I think that's God saying, be with people, empathize with them. And stop getting so caught up in all the secondary issues. Like, don't be divided. If someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. If someone's weeping, weep with them. So when I see the LGBTQ plus community, you know, rejoicing that they won the right to get married, I rejoice with them. And when they're weeping because people are shaming them for their choices, like, Mm -hmm. I weep with them. You really believe that God cares deeply about the relationships you have with people 
Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you know, wh- wherever we land on this, my my question for you is: How does the church invite all people to its table, um, even though people may not ever come to the place you're at? Let's say that let's say that other Christians don't come to that place, but they want to worship with you. Let's say that uh, the LGBT community does not want to be with people who don't aren't an ally to them but we but everyone but people want to worship together how does the church move forward i think to start the process of moving forward we have to go back to seeing each other as people and god's people and not seeing each other as the choices we make i think like one of my least favorite <laughs> sayings that i heard all the time growing up was you know uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. But in that sentence, like you're still putting a focus on the sin. And to me, that whole part is irrelevant. Like, can I ask you a really yeah. hard question? Yeah. Level with me on okay. you want. Do you <laughs> believe there's such a thing as sin? I believe that there are things that are evil in this world. <laughs> but do we and have sin in our nature? I do believe okay. that there's sin. Okay. I do not believe that any person can definitively decide what those sins are. So why would we confess then? I mean, because if God is like, if God is speaking to your heart that you personally are making a choice that he doesn't want you to be making. I you see. Know, so you, you know what I mean? That's, okay, so you mean that if there is a sense of repentance or something, that's from God. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, I think like, when I think about, like, if I think about sin in, in the very beginning, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you take the the Christian creation story, there was a a, a point in, in that story where, you know, Adam and Eve betrayed God, took the apple, right? W- which you could say is like the first the sin. The first sin, right? okay. But to me, the first manifestation of that sin was shame. And I think shame ultimately is like, itself a sin you know it's it is a manifestation you mean like a result of the sin is that what you mean not a result i think shame itself is like actually a form of evil or a form of sin because you know god created this world he created this place where they live totally without shame like that wasn't in the picture Mm -hmm. you know shame shame wasn't introduced until sin came right so i think like shame itself is just another form of sin like it was introduced with sin because it itself is a sin and i think that's something we've sort of forgotten about as as christians because i think we're very quick to shame each other for our choices and we totally forget the fact that 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 shame itself is not what god intended so would I guess I how I would want to hear a little bit about that is, but if there was a boundary there that God placed, and let's say He gives us you and I boundaries in marriage, you're you're a married woman, I'm a married woman, right. Rob's married. Um, you would would you say that if we stepped out of that boundary and we felt shame, that the shame was this sin not stepping out of the boundary? I mean, I think. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Oh, what would you so, say that is? So first, I wanted to say, 
a really good book that I <laughs> love yeah. is uh, Shameless, A Sexual Reformation. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Who wrote it, that book? It's uh, a pastor in Denver, Nadia. I can't remember oh, her last bold. name. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And I think she kind of talks, I think it's her. She talks, mm-hmm. about, I mean, she talks about shame in that book for sure. But um, it's kind of, I think it's a concept you could read in a lot of books that, you know, th- there's a really big difference between guilt and shame. Um, that That guilt is like, I did something that I felt was wrong and I feel bad that I did that. But shame is like, I'm somehow a bad person for what I've done. And I think that like level of shame is something that people feel and it's not something God intended. And that's why I think like that mm. itself is some form of evil. And so I think when when we shame other people, we're just continuing a cycle of sin ourselves you know and we're forgetting like okay we're treating one sin as somehow worse than our own sin absolutely you know what i mean right so and that's that's a whole issue in and of itself mm-hmm. right yeah I mean, absolutely <laughs> yeah I mean, but like i guess it's just hard for me because i i don't see why the topic of sexuality is something the church feels like they can be so definite about because you know there's lots of topics that's so like alcohol for example you know plenty of Christians think alcohol's fine and plenty of them don't, you know, and it's like there are and people are allowed to disagree about that. And somehow it's okay that we disagree on that topic. But then we think sexuality is like this thing that we have to have some ultimate, you know, authoritative opinion about. And we're unwilling to say, like all things in this world, we don't know ultimately at the end of the day what's right or what's wrong. So if we were to disagree about that, how do we move ahead in the church? At the end of the day, what I really deeply care about, and I know Rob does too, is that the church is the institution of Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got a plan to move us on ahead. We know the end of the story. So how do we get through this this? Where we're we're stalled right now. How do I solve world problems? <laughs> no, <laughs> I I really think question. because I yeah. don't know if we're ever all going. We're not going to all come to a consensus on this, right? I just don't see. I, yeah, and I don't know if that's the point. I think the point is that in the church, everybody's welcome. Getting hung up on sexuality is like feels like sort of why we're at the crossroads, right? It's like on one hand, the church is saying, "All right, well, we're hung up on sexuality." And we don't know how to move forward. You know, how do we invite people that we feel are wrong into our community when this sort of feels like a crossroad? And I guess I'm saying maybe we should say us being hung up on sexuality is the beginning of that problem. You know, it's like it's like we the church has built the wall and said, well, we built this wall between us and people who express their sexuality differently than we think they should. And now we're saying, how do we get people over the wall? And I'm saying we built the wall. We tear the wall down. Does that make sense? I think I understand. But what I guess I'm probably saying and I'm repeating this a lot is, what if that doesn't change? What if what doesn't change? Well, I don't know if I see... uh, church leaders suddenly saying uh we're going to stop teaching about the way scripture teaches us about sexuality i don't see that happening but i do you think it shouldn't happen to change the oh well, i'm 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 not gonna <laughs> am i allowed right to now. ask you questions? yeah no. <laughs> well I'm, I, my goal for this is to is to actually have 
my listeners, a lot of them are church leaders. Mm-hmm. I want them yeah. to be able to, to hear, hear yeah. this, hear you, hear yeah. you yeah. so that they can they can have the discussion among themselves. What's happening inside of, of the church right now is there's this debate of so if we if we claim that there's a limit here, does that mean you can't come worship with us? Hmm. No. And that's really what I'm asking you. So how do we? Because I guess I don't think that's ever going to change for for everyone. I mean, it might not. That's to me. If I were, a, I'm not a pastor. You know that. Right. But if I were, and that were my job, I would feel highly responsible to keep doing my job, so to speak. But I wouldn't want everyone to leave. I would still want them to come and let the people love one another. Yeah. And go ahead. Here's my question. Yeah. Do you think it's a pastor's job to determine? morality or do you think it's a pastor's job to like share the love of god with people all of those things because the church is the last living institution the church really is the most powerful institution in the universe um and without her being the prophetic voice what do we have i mean there is no other prophetic voice that does not mean that we can't agree to disagree inside of her walls right and that's what i'm asking you in some ways like is it possible you might say it's not you might say it is not possible for us to be in the same house and disagree on that no i think it is possible and i think it's what we should be aiming for and i think that's kind of what i'm saying about like we've built a wall that's like what i was saying right it's Mm. like we've built a wall and said on this side of the wall, on the church's side of the wall, we have the moral voice of God. Mm-hmm. But on your side of the wall, you're mm-hmm. just wrong. Okay, is there a way to maybe, is there a way to say this is what we believe God wants and not make someone, I like what you're saying, and not put shame? Is there a way to talk like that? I think there should be, but I don't think we necessarily need that to be the conversation. If I'm going to a church and all they want to talk about is like their rules and, you know, their interpretation of morality, like am, what am I gaining in my relationship with God? Well, yeah, I don't I get I don't go to a church like that, yeah, so that's yeah, why I'm yeah. curious. <laughs> but like even the church you mentioned doesn't sound like that's what they're No, like but it's like we would never like like I I wouldn't go to a church if I sat there and I had to listen to a pastor tell me his opinion on God's beliefs right. about someone else's right. sexuality. So, okay. You know what so, I mean? So, yeah. So what I, I guess what I'm hearing you say then is why don't we talk more about what's right? Yeah. Why don't we talk more about how to, what's right about our relationships? Yeah. Celebrating. Yeah. Rejoicing yeah. with it. So uh, that to me sounds like a good conversation. It does because I think like we're so hung up on like, well, how do we talk about what we disagree on? Well, why don't we just talk about what we do agree on? Which I, I, right. That would make (laughs) me so personally. No, but no, but it would make me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. But but, but the problem is, Heather, that what we're seeing today is, is this, this crisis. That's the problem. You see that we can't, we can't seem to move ahead in this. We're not having that. We're not having the right conversation in order to get to that that conversation about what's right. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? We're blocked. Yeah. So that's why you and I are having this conversation yeah. right yeah. now. But <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we're not having the conversation because maybe we're not listening. And mm. right now it, it feels very one way, which is not a conversation. That's a lecture. You know what mm. I mean? 
like, I mean, you've invited me here because you're saying I want to listen to you, yeah. which is why, you know, I love and respect you so much because you're saying I don't care what you will say. I just want right. to hear it. That's right. You know, it's, it sounds like you're saying the church is sort of asking, how do we say what we want to say and and still invite people to come and worship with us mm-hmm. rather than how do we listen mm-hmm. to what people are saying and then find a way forward with them. Okay, so let's 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 say in an ideal world that someone in the voice of the church said that. They said how do we listen? Where would that take place? If I had all the answers. Right? I, know. I know. Well, I mean yeah. in an ideal world when you yeah. really think about it, let's I mean yeah. we live you and I live in the real world. We live with, you know, warm-blooded people who we love and know. We all have the same basic human needs. Where should a conversation is this a local co- conversation that each church maybe should have in its own? Um, is it something that only uh, the leaders of churches should have amongst themselves in their offices? Well, no, because, you know, if leaders are having conversations with themselves and they all think the same, then that's still not really <laughs> moving the conversation forward, right? It, it seems like church leaders are kind of saying, you know, well, how are, what are we going to decide as a church about, you know, sexuality and what we think about it? And then they mm. decide and then they say, you can either come to this church because you agree or you can't, mm. you know? And it's like, well, there wasn't a conversation. You just sort of made a decision and not, and it just seems like, it seems to me, like the decisions would be different if the conversations included the people that they're talking about. Does the that make decisions sense? would be different if it included people that, so uh, decisions, give me an example. If a church decides to split because, you know, they say, okay, we've decided that gay marriage is okay or oh, not okay. okay. Right, right. right. It's which, like, is, which is, that's a, that is dividing the church. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's like, if the people that said this isn't okay, I mean, did they did they make that decision without anyone at the table for them to listen to? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it feels to me like I can make a lot of decisions about other people's morality if I'm not in, and it's and it's easy to do that if I'm not like inviting them, you know, into the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to get better about like seeing other people as human and understanding that they're coming that they're 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 living their life from their own convictions and to like invite someone in to share that with us Mm. is something i don't think we do often inviting people to share yeah who they are and why they've made the choices they've made right yeah do you feel people have done that in your life no (laughs) the church no i could tell you i think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. hardly anybody knows what I think on most issues because they've never asked <laughs> or they don't want to ask because they they don't want to know what I would say. <laughs> would that impact your uh, spirituality if someone were to ask you some, some questions that were more, you know, unearthing who Heather is? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, it's like... That's really good. Yeah, I think... That's really good. Like, I I personally struggle with, you know, I have beliefs that I know people in my family would disagree with if they knew I thought those things, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't feel comfortable sharing because nobody's ever asked. You know what That's I mean? That's good. And th- but you bring up such a good point because when, we, when you think that we are made in the image of God, right, and we're mm-hmm. all... Mm-hmm. 
so incredibly different and unique that if if someone were to dive deep into your person into what your values and your beliefs were it it might actually change kind of the whole way that you even interact with with our conversation today even it could because you'd be like well since i experienced people really getting to know me i know what it feels like to be ignored right you know i don't know i'm just saying yeah, that yeah. maybe the issue right now that we're that we need to, the door we need to open first perhaps is asking people questions yeah yeah maybe and that's the first door i don't know maybe but then and like with the understanding that you're willing to like hear them and listen and not shut it the right. second you yeah. might think i'm not going to agree with you yeah or i don't understand you right yeah which i think we all just ultimately long to be understood yeah oh absolutely i think mm. we all long to be understood and i think mm. there is probably no community that would say that more authentically than the lgbtq plus community mm. right mm -hmm. like we just long to be understood, understood. Mm -hmm. and instead of instead of asking the question how can we understand why it's okay for people to live out their sexuality differently than we think you know and in this in this exact conversation we're kind of asking well how do we move forward as the church but the question isn't how do we understand you know what i mean it's like how do we understand how do we listen I wish that I wish that was the focus more than than well how do we you know how do we make a decision about moving forward does that make sense well <laughs> it's so but, hard to articulate but well but I think that you're answering the question what do you mean well when I say how we move forward you're saying well their heart question is we how can we understand me more so maybe that is that's what I'm saying that's how we move forward right maybe that's an open door yeah. You know, because there isn't a whole lot of understanding. And part of that comes from being ignorant. And part of it comes from because we don't have these conversations. Yeah. You know, we don't know how. It's scary yeah. some, for some people. And it's interesting because, like, because I started my life in a really conservative environment yeah. and I now consider myself much more liberal, I feel like I can say, like, I understand, you know, why my family members voted for Trump or I understand mm -hmm. why my grandparents think alcohol is wrong. I don't agree. That, but you understand. But I understand why. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because I started there. It's like, I think it's so hard for people to seek understanding on, on something they like physically have never experienced before. But like we have to just be willing to do that. You know, you have to be willing to understand a perspective you've never had. Mm -hmm. But okay, I I will I will say okay. But what if I would say the same thing? I need someone to understand my perspective that they'll never have. Would that is that fair? I think it's fair in a degree that like everybody should be understood, but mm -hmm. unfair in the sense that people outside of the church already understand <laughs> like we we've been hearing you know we've been hearing for thousands of years what the church thinks about sexuality like this you know what i mean it's like we've heard that for thousands of years and now we're ready to share our thoughts you know what i mean mm -hmm. so not like everybody should be understood and that's why it's like it should be a conversation mm -hmm. and not a lecture mm -hmm. but 
you know, it's sort of like if a man is like, but you don't understand how difficult it is to be a man. Like my yeah. first thought is like, but <laughs> hello, like you've had privilege for tens of thousands of years. Like it's okay to take a step back and say, you know, I've experienced the privilege of being considered mm. better in society mm. for tens of thousands of years. And mm. now I'm going to step back and say, you know, I want to let women take the reins mm. and talk for once. And mm. I think that's sort of the same thing here. It's like the church should say, okay, for, you know, a couple thousand years now, we've mm. made our opinion very clear and we've talked and we've talked and we've lectured. And now maybe they should step back and say, we've had our place of privilege. We've had our voice. How can we listen to other voices? Mm. Well, that would be a, a, a whole nother conversation for sure <laughs> yeah because I, I i don't know what my what what church leaders would say as they hear that um i do know for sure that we need more loving responses to one another no matter what the issue is and that we need to um, maybe even be willing to have have harder conversations with individuals instead of it being only on media i think that has hurt a lot of hmm. people, I, I don't, I would, I would like encourage people to sit down and say, how, let's build a relationship. You know, let's get to know each other. One of the reasons why I wanted us to have this conversation for sure, Heather, is that um, families are being ripped apart over this, you know, uh, grandparents to their own grandchildren or um, churches have split up and you know that you know mm -hmm. all these things so before we just like wrap everything up um, I guess I would like to ask you when you envision the future because you know right you know as well as I do that every 500 years the church has a rummage sale and it's <laughs> and that issue whatever you know they sell it, in the early years it was you know leavened or unleavened bread or issues about mary and so you know today this in some ways is <laughs> is something that we're it's really going to help us define our future so in in the best of worlds and what does the church you go to right now what what does that look like i mean i think in my ideal world mm -hmm. <laughs> the church would really go back to the basics. I struggle with churches, and this is why I go to a non-denominational mm -hmm. church. I struggle with churches that have built up over the <laughs> decades and mm -hmm. centuries. They've like built up all these ideas about what they think is, is right or wrong. But I think the future would be better if whatever the next Reformation is mm -hmm. boiled us down to the basics like do you believe in god do you love god <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. if if you can and who sit his son is <laughs> yeah. yeah and if you can like sit across the table from someone and they say yeah i love god then no other question should be asked before you say great let's worship together in his house in the house of god right like mm. if the church could just move forward in a future it was like really that mm. simple like i don't need to know if who you, you drink, for. I don't need to know right, who you voted right, for. Right, I don't right, need to right. know what kind of car you drive. I don't need to know. You know, it's like, you know, it's good to be having these conversations now because we're at this, you know, tension mm -hmm. point. Of course, we need to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But I think like ideally in the future, they wouldn't even be questions. Mm -hmm. You know, it wouldn't be a mm -hmm. question. Be like, mm -hmm. you love God. I love God. Let's go worship mm -hmm. in his house together. Mm -hmm. And like none of the other 
things that we've become so caught up with would matter because I have no way of knowing whether my choices are right or your choices are right or, you know, I I just can't know that ultimately, like God is our judge at the end of the day. So all I can focus on and all I know for like 100% certainty Mm. is that he wants me to love him. Okay. And he wants, and he wants me you to, to love, love others. Yeah. Well, I don't know <laughs> if you know, but by a lot of this has come from kind of, you know, my mantra of why your faith matters. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this conversation and hopefully more to come will always be increasing our faith and not tearing it down, but building it up. Because that's ultimately what I think our job is in any person's life is to encourage them in their faith in God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I think sometimes we think, you know, in order to love people, we have to sort of like guide them back to the right path or something, you know, but like, I don't know, my mom, for example, um, something I love about my mom is that she's two daughters. Yeah. (laughs) I went to college. I didn't live with my boyfriend until we got married. You know, I went to church all growing up. I, whatever I do, I do all these things, right? And you, I have, you would say you do all the things right. <laughs> no, I don't do all these you, things. I do all these things. Period. Right. That was a question. Okay. <laughs> it was, I okay. don't do all these things right. Okay. I'm just saying I just do all these things. Okay. Like, that's just I'm just defining okay. my life, right? And I'm saying, okay, and then I have like the sister and she is the most crafty, amazing person I ever met. And she, you know, she didn't really go to church nearly as much as I do, but she lives out her faith in these other ways. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like my sister is just like, so like, I have this huge temper problem, but my, but my sister has all whatever problems. Like we are two totally different people. We took two totally different life paths. Mm. Her and I like experienced God in totally different ways, but like. My mom just loves us both. Mm. Like my mom has never said anything judgmental about either mm. of us. Like my mom has never made me feel like I somehow made good choices and she made bad choices or made me feel like she made good choices mm. and I made bad choices. At the end of the day, she just like all she focuses on is loving us both so much mm. to feel like I've made really terrible, <laughs> terrible choices, but my mom still loves me. I've made really good choices and my mom still loves me. And she's never asked me about any of those choices. She's just left me. You know, mm. that's all she focuses on. So at the end on. of the day, that's what you're left with. Yeah. At the end of the day, all like, there is, is that's what love. she focuses on. Mm. And I think if the church functioned like that a little more, mm. it would be so much easier for us to worship together. Because, you know, I can go, my sister and I can go and have Christmas dinner you know, mm. next week at my mom's house and feel welcome, even though we're mm. totally different people because we're welcome and we're loved. And I think if the church mm. functioned like that, yeah. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to focus on that little okay. thing. I'm just going to say, come have Christmas come have, dinner. Yeah. And when you're there, everyone's free to be themselves. Absolutely. So <laughs> in that, in that uh, tone, I guess, really, <laughs> um, thank you for having this beginning of a conversation. Yeah. It's like we took the phone off the hook and we don't know if we're going to hang up yet, but yeah, yeah. we may continue again. So thank you so much, Heather. You are so welcome. Right. Thank you for inviting me, Pam.